Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are trying something new. We are going to be previewing this week's Live Golf event, Live Adelaide, taking place deep in the heart of Australia. Um, we're going to be previewing this event for DFS and betting purposes. So if you are doing either of those two things for this Live Golf event, you came to the right place. We're going to be breaking down the course itself, the Grange Golf Club, and then talking about some golfers that you can target, whether you're going to be playing DFS or whether you're going to be making some bets. Now, I'm not going to lie. I have not been the biggest supporter of live golf since it came into existence i think it's um you know we could get into a whole different podcast episode to kind of talk about how live probably should have came into existence how they should be operating um and i definitely don't like condone like where all the money's coming from but the fact of the matter is is that there's some golfers on the live tour that i kind of enjoy watching play golf and you know, I watched a little bit of Live Orlando. I watched the final round when that was taking place, and I kind of enjoyed it. Kind of, you know, it was nice to see some of these guys again. Now, the TV broadcast on the CW, it was not, like, spectacular. The leaderboard was kind of like an F1 leaderboard. You know, they put way too much stock into the team component of Live. Um, and to me, you know, with only 48 golfers on the course, I should have been seeing a lot more golf shots on my TV than I did. But issues with the broadcast notwithstanding, because I have a little bit of issues with the PGA Tours broadcast as well. It was a pretty enjoyable experience. DraftKings is offering contests for Live a week. There's bets to be made for Live this week. So, like, why not go ahead, do some research, and put out a podcast that's previewing this week's Live golf event. So, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and let me know on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. If you enjoy this episode and you want to see and hear more live golf content in the future, let me know so that way I can keep providing it because this is something that this week, just how everything timed out, I had the time to put in the research, had the time to record the podcast. Uh, and so this is something I'm going to be trying this week. And if it's a success, if it is positively received, then I can keep doing it in the future. We'll just see how it goes. Uh, I'm not promising a permanent live series just yet, but uh, if this episode is a success, I can definitely come back to it in the future. So like I said, let me know if you like this episode, hit that subscribe button that way you'll be notified when new episodes drop and let me know on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks or even better, give me a good rating and drop a review so that way I will know that I can keep making live golf content. All right, so enough with the introduction. Let's go ahead and kick things off with talking about what is a relatively unknown golf course, the Grange Golf Club. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so the host of Live Adelaide is going to be the Grange Golf Club. And if this is a pretty unknown course for you, then you're probably in line with a lot of people. This was a pretty unknown course for me. Truth be told, the PGA Tour itself has not played an event in Australia in the last decade. Uh, and so this is a course that really has not hosted a tour level event like anytime recently. Uh, and in fact, the way that this event is going to be hosted is going to be a little bit different from how the course was originally built. So the way the course is playing this week, it is going to be a par 72. It is going to be 6,900 yards, more or less, maybe a little bit of adjustments on that because this course that they're playing this week is actually created as a composite course. The Grange has two courses on site, the East course and the West course. So they're going to play one nine from the East course and then nine other holes from the West course. So it's going to be a little bit of a different routing, but the way it works out is you're going to see par 72, 6,900 yards. Now, what I did do was, you know, there's not really a whole lot of information on this golf course. So I went on the 18 birdies app, which is an app that I use when I actually go out and play golf. You know, I really do endorse it. It's free. It's a great way to, you know, track your distances and track your scores anyway. And I looked through the two scorecards and I looked through the two GPS previews for the Grange Golf Club. And here's what I can figure out about it. Both the East course and the West course, 
feature very long par threes and very long par fives. Um, so that is something that you can be expect. So that 6,900 yards that you're going to see on the scorecard is due largely in part to length on par threes and par fives. The par fours are going to be pretty short. They're not really drivable par fours. They're very narrow. Like the fairways at this course are very narrow. It's going to be very claustrophobic with the amount of trees and the amount of bunkering that is on this course. It's probably some of the more narrow fairways in comparison to a lot of the courses that are played on the PGA Tour. So this is not a course where you can be spraying it off the tee. You're going to want to be keeping the ball in play. You're going to want to be keeping it on schedule. There's not a whole lot of water. I mean, we're in Australia, so there's not a whole lot of water there in general. So the wayward drives are going to be finding tree trouble or finding really the desert areas. So it's not like you're going to be losing strokes if you miss off the tee, but you're going to be putting yourself in bad position where you're going to have to play out of position and it's going to be really hard to make pars if you do miss the fairway. Now, Greg Norman did design one of these golf courses, which comes as no shock considering this is a live golf event, right? Um, so really, this course does have a few traits in common with some other Greg Norman design golf courses, which we will talk about um, when we get to um, the comp courses, but the biggest component that you're going to need this week is like the most key stat, in my opinion, is going to be the green in regulation percentage. You're going to want to hit greens this week because the greens themselves are very undulating. So you're going to put yourself in situations that if you miss the green, it's going to be very hard to get up and down for par. Kind of think about Augusta National in that regard, where if you just miss a chip just a little bit, you're going to be rolling off about 30 feet or, you know, rolling off in a place where you cannot make that par putt. So, so there's a little bit of similarity in that. Um, also, there's a lot of bunkering on this course. There's a lot of bunkers that literally roll right up to greens. There's not really much fringe. There's not really much runoff area. So if you do miss the green by just a little bit, you're going to have a really tough bunker shot to get up and down. So to me, this week, green and regulation percentage is going to be key. You're going to want to target guys who can hit a lot of greens, who can be very accurate. You know, it's not a bomber's golf course. Uh, and so that way they can put themselves in position to hit fairways and hit birdies and get low numbers here at the Grange Golf club. Now, also on their website, they have described the Grange as a sand belt course, which I had to look it up. It's a course type common in Australia. It's going to have very firm and fast conditions with a lot of sand. So, what we're going to look at this week is we want guys who excel in firm and fast conditions and narrow fairways. So, when you're thinking about comp courses, First off, you got to look at the only other time that any relevant tour has played in Australia, and that is the 2019 President's Cup, which took place at Royal Melbourne Golf Club, or Royal Melbourne, as they call it in Australia. Um, so that is something you can look at. I think that is the most natural comparison. That's another sandbelt course in Australia. Now, when I think of narrow fairways and firm and fast conditions stateside, to me, that reminds me of Quail Hollow uh, Golf Club, home of the Wells Fargo Championship. But Quail Hollow is pretty long. So I, I think that the length of Quail Hollow is not quite like the length you're going to see here, but it is narrow, it is firm and fast, and it does feature very undulating greens. Um, in terms of the sand belt features, I think that TPC Scottsdale kind of has a little bit of that in it where it's going to play very firm and fast. There's a lot of the desert areas if you miss off the tee. Uh, and then I also really like... Uh, TPC San Antonio as a comparison. It's another Greg Norman design golf course. It's another course that plays firm and fast. It's another course that has narrow fairways. Um, so those are going to be my most natural comparisons as well. If you're looking at live events that you can try to use for a little bit of comparison, um, Live Mayakoba is a Greg Norman design golf course. Um, El Camaleon, which has been played on the PGA Tour as well. Uh, and then Live Tucson, you, you got a little bit of desert golf in that one, even though 
from everything I can see about that one, that one's more of a mountain course than more of a sand belt type course. Um, so maybe you can get a little bit of comparisons for that. But I'm really sticking to this week. I want to see how these guys did if they played in the President's Cup in 2019 at Royal Melbourne or how they've done at Quail Hollow or how they've done at either the TPC Scottsdale or San Antonio on the PGA Tour. All right, so that does it for breaking down the Grange Golf Club and comparing it to some other courses. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about some individual golfer profiles and guys you might want to target in DFS or in the betting markets this week. But first, let's take a quick breather. All right, so the top golfer on the board in DraftKings pricing and in a lot of odds boards this week as well sits Cameron Smith. Uh, and it should come as no surprise, he is still one of the 10 to 15 best golfers in the world, in my opinion. Um, and he is a big-time narrative play this week. He is Australian, and this is Live Golf coming to Australia. So there is no doubt in my mind that Cam Smith wants to win this week more than ever. He wants to put on a show. He wants to go out and compete. He wants to contend in his homeland of Australia, and I, I think it would give him a lot of pride to come home with that trophy. It, you know, kind of in his PGA Tour career, you don't always get like a fully engaged, locked-in Cameron Smith. And I kind of think this is going to be a week where you are going to get that. If you need further proof of it, he won the Australian PGA Championship in November. Now, that was not a tournament that had a great field. It was a secondary tour event. Like, I believe it was the Australasian Tour that put it on. But he did go out in his home country, and he did go out and win it. Now, he doesn't exactly like light up the board at any of my comp courses. Um, he was not good at the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. He only scored 1.5 points in that. He had a win in a draw. Um, and so not really going good for him. He doesn't really have any good finishes in any of the other comp courses. Uh, and also his recent form coming in isn't that great. He actually only has one finish in the top half of a live event this season in the three that have been played. So if I'm being totally honest, a whole lot of signs point away from Cam Smith this week, but in terms of the whole narrative of him being Australian and it being an Australian golf course this week and there being a lot of pride and a lot of motivation for him to win, that is what you're going to be going with if you are playing Cam Smith this week is the narrative angle as opposed to the actual statistical angle. Now, next up on the board on DraftKings is Joaquin Neiman, who is coming off of a very quiet 16th place finish at the Masters. Uh, his finishes on the Live Tour have been... I'm not going to lie, kind of underwhelming. And speaking of underwhelming, he also was pretty bad at the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. And he only scored 0 0.5 points in that contest, which means he only had a draw. He did not win any of his matches. Now, granted, the Americans did win that tournament. And so, like, you know, the internationals didn't exactly put up a whole lot of points themselves. But um, what you're going to see in that is, like, if you're not winning matches there, that's not exactly great sign um now also he, he doesn't really have a whole lot of like flashy finishes at any of the comp courses so i kind of think he's a little bit overrated on the DraftKings board in my opinion um but the very quiet 16th place finish at the masters is a good sign he is a fairly accurate golfer and he does play pretty well in firm and fast conditions um much like his win at riviera which was very firm and fast um so i me personally, I think he's a little overrated on DraftKings, but I think he makes for a decent bet to win, and, and I do think there's a little more stats there that support that as opposed to Cameron Smith. Now, the guy that I think everybody is going to be on this week, in DraftKings, I think he's going to be one of the highest owned. Uh, in the betting markets, I think he's going to be one of the most bet is Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka actually won the last live event at Crooked Cat Golf Course in Orlando, and he actually followed that up with a runner-up finish at the Masters. He really if we're being honest, should have won that golf tournament. Um, 
Now, Brooks Kepka, the thing you always got to remember with him is much like Cameron Smith that I mentioned earlier, you don't always get an engaged Brooks Kepka. He really just wants to show up at the majors, win majors, and go about his business, right? Like that's what he does. So the question is, I, I really think that the win, you know, Live Orlando was him in his own mind trying to get right for the Masters and trying to play some good golf before the Masters. So the question now is really, you know, is he going to be motivated to play this event? Like, is he prepping for the PGA Championship yet? Like, is he, you know, or is he trying to get like revenge or trying to prove something to himself? Like, like I don't know where his mindset is, but if we get an engaged Brooks Kepka, we're definitely going to be in for a good finish from him this week, in my opinion. Um, he did not play the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne in 2019, but in terms of my other comp courses, he has two wins at TPC Scottsdale, which, like we mentioned, is another desert course that plays very firm and very fast. So if we get engaged Brooks Kepka this week, I don't think the rest of the field stands a chance, but you never know if you're going to get fully locked in, fully engaged Brooks Kepka. Next on the board is Dustin Johnson, who um, really disappointed at the Masters. He was a lot of people's one-and-done pick in the Masters because, you know, it makes sense to pick the live guys in the majors in one-and-done. Um, he finished 48th in that tournament. He made the cut pretty easily, but he just kind of ejected on the weekend. He looked miserable out there playing in the rain and the wind on Saturday, and he kind of just kind of mailed it in on Sunday. Didn't really, you know, play all that well, um, but he did make the cut, which is not you know, an automatic thing at the Masters. It's definitely easier said than done. Uh, and his last two live events have been pretty solid. He's came in seventh and 13th in those. And throughout his PGA Tour career, he's a guy who excels at firm and fast conditions. He hits the ball a mile and he hits it pretty low ball flight as well. So the ball's going to roll out pretty far for him. But to me, the narrowness of this course does concern me a little bit. He's a guy who can definitely get wild with the driver at times. But if he is, you know, at this course, if we're being honest, he can take less than driver on a few holes. And so I kind of think that that might set up well for him if he is hitting three wood or like a three iron off the tee. Um, and I kind of think that this does set up pretty well for Dustin Johnson. I have no problem starting your DraftKings lineups with him or betting him outright to win this tournament. Next up is Mito Pereira, who is one of the most talented golfers in the field, and he's one of the most consistent finishers on live so far this season. He has a 15th, a 6th, in a fifth in his last three live events. Um, in, in terms of comp courses, Mito's career is so young that like we don't really have a whole lot of data to base it off of for the comp courses, but he did play well in his only trip to TPC San Antonio, which is another Greg Norman design. So I definitely think that this week sets up well for Mito. And even though he was not able to win on the PGA Tour before he you know defected for live, I do think he has a chance to get in the winner's circle for the first time at live this week. I think he makes a really good bet to win this golf tournament. Patrick Reed um, is like the guy that no one ever wants to play on DraftKings and no one ever wants to bet to win the golf tournament because he's Patrick Reed. Like, let's be honest, he's pretty unsufferable. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google like Patrick Reed lawsuit or Patrick Reed cheating or Patrick Reed disliked, like anything Patrick Reed and just see what the next word pops up is. Uh, and there's a whole lot of stories on why Patrick Reed is not very well liked. But I got to say, He's playing some pretty good golf. He's coming off of a fourth place finish at the Masters and a third place finish at Live Orlando. Uh, and actually, he has a decent finish at one of the comp courses. He has a T6 at his last event uh, at Quail Hollow that he played um, at the Wells Fargo Championship in 2021. Um, but he did not have a good performance at the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. He only scored one point in that event. Uh, and I don't know how well this course really fits for him. I kind of like Patrick Reed 
at events where it's like major light conditions, very long, um, you know, thick rough where you're going to be rewarded for avoiding the rough places where it's tough to get up and down because he is able to do it. So I don't necessarily know if this event sets up the best for him, but in terms of recent form coming in, he does have some of the best out of anybody with that fourth place finish at the Masters and the third place finish at Live Orlando. Now, a guy that I was ready to just totally ignore until like I started looking into it was Matthew Wolf. So Matthew Wolf has three straight live top tens, which is fairly impressive, right? Even though this is a 48-person field, um, three straight top 10 finishes in any golf tournament is pretty solid. Now, the only issue with Matthew Wolf is I really don't think this course fits his game at all. He is a guy who loves to bomb it off the tee, and he can kind of spray it all over the place. And so he needs a course where you're not going to be punished for spraying it all over the place. And the narrowness of this course with the tree lines and with all the sand and desert at areas that are in place, I don't think this sets up very well for him. So Matthew Wolf is probably a pass for me this week, even though he does have some really good finishes. Now, Charles Howell III is a guy who came on to live this season and came out swinging with a win and a fifth-place finish. Um, he, he actually does have some pretty good performances at the comp courses. He has a T4 at TPC San Antonio in recent years. Uh, he also had a win. Um, the win that he had on live was at Mayakoba, which is a Greg Norman design course. Um, and Charles Howell III has always been a guy who's been very accurate off the tee, never super long. So I don't think this course is going to box him out with his lack of distance. So I definitely think that this course does set up well for Charles Howell III. Now, a guy that I like really, really a lot this week is Abraham Answer. So the last time Abraham Answer played at Quail Hollow, which is the American firm and fast and narrow fairways course, he came in T2 at the Wells Fargo in 2021, the one that Rory McIlroy won. So I can kind of forgive him for coming T2, right? Um, and he also played super well at the 2019 President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. He actually led the international team with 3.5 points. That's three wins and a draw. Um, and, you know, when you lead the entire international team, like that's pretty impressive. Like there were some good golfers on that team. He's also a guy who is super accurate, super good on approach. Uh, he doesn't get himself in trouble a whole lot. And so I definitely think this course profiles really well for Abraham Answer. Whenever you look at Abraham Answer like as a whole, his weakness has always been his lack of distance off the tee, but this is a course that's not really going to box him out for that with it only being 6,900 yards. So I definitely really like this setup for Abraham Answer. Even though his live finishes have not been that great, I think his overall golfer profile really sets up well for a good finish here at Live Adelaide. Now, I'm going to lump together Paul Casey, Taylor Gooch, and Carlos Ortiz because all three have been very good on live, and all three kind of like we don't have a whole lot of data to go off of. Like, they haven't really played in any other events, whereas some of these other guys have played in Asian Tour or Australasian Tour or the Masters or, you know, some other events before they joined Live. There's just not a whole lot of data on either Casey, Gooch, or Ortiz. Um, now, of the three, Ortiz is actually my preferred play. He has the best finishes of any Live golfers um, that you know, in just live events, he's been like the best in terms of just live finishes. Uh, and he also has the best out of this group of three at my comp courses. Um, so between Casey, Gooch, and Ortiz, the one I'm probably setting up is Ortiz, but I don't have a problem putting any of them in your DraftKings lineups or really betting any of them to win outright. I think all three of them have the skill level that they can go out and win this golf tournament outright. 
Sebastian Munoz is next up, and he's been playing some really good golf, but he is super volatile. Um, on his live resume, he has two top 10s and a 36th place finish. So, like, that's a bottom quarter of the field finish with that 36. Uh, and he used to be somebody to avoid on the PGA Tour at narrow golf courses. He was somebody who wasn't super accurate, who would kind of spray it all over the place off the tee. But before he bolted to live, he did have a T9 at the Valero Texas Open at TPC San Antonio. So maybe he started to correct that problem. But he's a guy who is super volatile. So I definitely think he's the type of guy that you could put into your lineup and he might win this week or he might come in T42nd. Now, after Sebastian Munoz on DraftKings is probably the line where I would probably stop um, betting an outright winner. You know, we haven't seen a whole lot of like super duper long shots win these live golf tournaments. For the most part, it's been fairly chalky um, with guys who are generally finishing at the top half of live, guys who are generally priced pretty high on the DraftKings board coming in. Now, Peter Uline is a guy who has outperformed his DraftKings salary in every live event this year. He has three top 10s so far this year, one of which was Mayakoba, which was one of my comp courses, one of which was Tucson, which I think is a little bit of a stretch, but I could perceive that as a comp course as well. So I definitely do like Peter Uline in this tournament. Mark Leishman gets bonus points for being an Aussie. Um, he did play in the Australian PGA Championship that Cam Smith won, and he came in 12th. Uh, and he also had two points at the President's Cup when it was played at Royal Melbourne, which I'm not going to lie, for Mark Leishman, that's pretty good. Like, in terms of, you look at the rosters of that President's Cup, and it's a lot of guys who are better than him. So the fact that he came away with two points, that's pretty solid. I definitely like the Australian narrative here for Mark, Mark Leishman, uh, and I definitely think he's someone to consider because of that angle as well, just like Cameron Smith. Now, Louis Oosthuizen has a long line of good finishes at the comp courses. Like, I could just rattle them off all day, but so I'm not going to. But the problem is, is he has not been the same old Louis that we know from the PGA Tour this season on live. Now, he did come in second in Tucson, which is exactly the Louis we know. Louis always comes in second. Um, but he also has two bottom eight finishes on this live season. So you're just seeing a lot of inconsistency from him. He also WD'd from the Masters. And I didn't really get a vibe on why he withdrew, but I definitely don't think it's a good sign. And it wouldn't shock me if like something came out that he was injured or you know something was going on. I, I just think he's one to avoid because of that situation in general. Now, Anderbon Lahiri is a guy who has played honestly pretty terrible on live. He hasn't finished in the top half of a live event yet in his live career, but he does have a fifth and a 13th place finish at one of my comp courses, TPC San Antonio. He's probably a pass for me, but he is a guy that with those good performances at one of my comp courses, he's a guy that's probably going to come in at fairly low ownership that does give you a little bit of upside. All right, now the guy we got to talk about, the guy that a lot of y'all probably have been waiting for me to talk about is Phil Mickelson. So, if you did not know, if you've been living under a rock for the last two weeks, Phil Mickelson finished runner-up at Augusta National at the Masters with a flurry of birdies and vintage Phil Mickelson moments on Sunday, uh, and it was honestly great television. He kind of seemed to win the crowd back, even though a lot of the public has turned on Phil because of his transition to live. And so the question becomes is how much stock do you put into his finish at Augusta National? Because his live resume is not great. He hasn't contended for a win in either calendar year of the live tour so far. And he also has not been in the top half of a live event in this calendar year. It's been pretty terrible on live for Phil. So the question becomes is like, does the finish at the Masters, is that a sign that he's going to start playing better golf? Or is it just that that was Phil Mickelson 
at his best, locked in at Augusta National, a course he's familiar with, a course he knows like the back of his hand, and he just put it all together for one week, and he's going to be back to being mediocre Phil again. I don't know which one of the two it is. For that reason, I think he's an interesting play in DraftKings that's going to give you a super high ceiling and a super high floor. And I'm not going to lie, I think it's more likely than not that it's the floor, but there's definitely a chance that it's the ceiling. You know, you know, kind of like the old meme from the Dumb and Dumber movie, so you're saying there's a chance? There's definitely a chance that Phil, Mick Phil Mickelson has a good week, but I think it's more likely than not that we see the same old live Phil that we have seen recently. Cameron Tringale is a guy who has outperformed his drafting salary in three straight live events, and he's a guy that doesn't hit the ball very far. He does hit it pretty accurately, so he does seem like a good course fit. No problem putting him into my DraftKings lineup. Now, speaking of course fit, this is about as bad of a course fit as it could get for Bryson DeChambeau. Um, Bryson DeChambeau needs courses to have thick rough, um, so that way if he misses the fairway, he can get it out of the rough easier than others. Um, and with this being like deserted areas and bunkers and trees outside of the fairway, just not a good setup for Bryson. Now, Kevin Na does have three straight finishes of 22nd or better on the Live Tour, but the WD for the Masters, well, first off, I think it's bringing his salary down, but second off, it concerns me a little bit with where the state of his overall like body and game are, uh, and for that reason, kind of much like with Louis Oosthuizen, I'm probably going to avoid Kevin Na because of that WD at the Masters. Now, Matt Jones is super intriguing. He is another guy who is Australian, so he's got that going for him, and you know, in his last two starts, he's been like super volatile, which is kind of what Matt Jones was in his PGA Tour career. You never knew whether he was going to pop up and win or, you know, just like miss the cut by seven shots. In his last two live events, he has an eighth place finish and a 46th place finish. Reminder, there's 48 golfers that play in live events. So 46 out of 48 is pretty bad. Now, when you play Matt Jones, like I said, you're getting that volatility. And he does own some pretty good finishes at my comp courses, uh, the best of which was a runner-up at TPC San Antonio. So I definitely think that he's a guy that you could play as the last guy into your DraftKings lineup. And, you know, if you're just rolling the dice, throwing a dart, hoping to get a good finish out of him, you could get it. You might not. But I definitely think there is a window there where he has a lot of upside. Pat Perez is next on the list. Um, and he's a guy who is, you know, quietly putting together a good you know, season so far in live. He has two top 15 finishes in his last three live starts. Uh, and also he does have some good finishes at Quail Hollow, which was one of my comp courses. Um, he's had two top 10 finishes in his last two tries there. Um, so definitely not looking terrible for Pat Perez from that perspective, in my opinion. All right. Now, after that, we're getting to kind of like the bottom of the barrel. Like these are the guys that if you play them on DraftKings, they're projected to come in like 40th place and worse. So like if you do play them and they do manage to pop up with a top 20, like you're going to be sitting, you know, fairly pretty in terms of a whole DraftKings lineup. So in terms of lineup construction this week, I don't mind kind of taking shots at the bottom of the board. And if you do get lucky and they do outperform their salary, you're going to be sitting looking really good as long as the guys you play at the top are the right guys. Now, first of which that I do think is worth the dart throw is Scott Vincent. Um, he is super cheap, uh, but he does have three straight top 22 finishes on live. He, his worldwide resume is not that long. It's not that great, but those three straight top 22 finishes on live, if you get another one, he's going to greatly outpay his salary. Charles Schwartzel is another one. I think he's a little underpriced um, because of, you know, kind of a mediocre, like limp to the finish at the Masters. Um, but I definitely think that he is definitely intriguing and he definitely has some upside. He does have a win on the Live Tour. He won the event in London last season. Jediah Morgan is the last guy I'm going to mention. He's been pretty bad, but he's Australian. And so, like, if you're looking for a narrative play, the guy playing in his home country, you know, 
play the Aussie. Like, uh, I'd have no problem going with Jediah Morgan for that reason and that reason only. All right, so that does it for almost all the golfers. I believe Liv has 48, and I believe we talked about at least 30 of them there in that segment. So um, hopefully it gave you guys a lot of good information that you can use to build together your DraftKings lineups or build together your betting card this week. Now, you can also bet on the team that's going to win, and – I got to be honest, just looking at the odds for that, I don't really like the numbers on any of them. Like the team event winner has been pretty random in all honesty. Um, And usually it doesn't match the actual winner of the golf tournament. Um, So I think if you're going to bet a team winner this week, you can bet the Ripper Golf Club, um, the all Australian team. Uh, I definitely think there's a good angle for them. And also I think when you just look at terms of pure talent, um, the two clearly most talented teams are the four aces and um, Torque, oh, which, oh, I'm sorry, Torque, uh, as they were saying on the last live broadcast. Um, but I definitely think those are the three that I would be interested in. I probably wouldn't be looking elsewhere. But like I said, I really don't like the numbers on them. I think you can have better odds trying to pick a winner of the individual tournament this week as opposed to the team tournament. So anyway, um, hopefully that gave you plenty of information to build your DraftKings lineups, build out your betting cards, do whatever it is you're doing for Live Golf this week. Uh, reminder, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please rate and review. If you enjoyed this Live Golf episode, please let me know. You know, Drop a rating and drop a review or shout me out on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Let me know that you enjoyed the Live episode. And if I get a good positive response from this, I'm probably going to keep doing more of them. Um, this week just worked out perfectly with the timing. I was able to have the time in my personal life to do some research um, to put out the content. And so if you guys enjoy it, it is something that I can come back to in the future. All right, so that does wrap up this episode. Um, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you'll be notified when new episodes drop. We will be back next week talking about the next PGA Tour event, which is the Mexico Open at Vedanta. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and you'll be notified when that drops. Best of luck to everybody this week in all the DFS betting, whatever contest you're going to be playing. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.